Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. to another episode of the Flyers Talk Podcast. As always, Katie Emmer, Jordan Hall with you guys today. And Jordan, we're just going to start the pod with some crazy um, a, a realization here that today officially marks 100 days that we have survived somehow. I don't know how. We have survived without hockey. And most importantly, we've survived without Flyers hockey. 100 days, Jordan. Katie, that's hard to believe. 100 days since the NHL was forced to suspend the season on March 12th. Uh, it really is hard to believe. Uh, and Katie, it really had us thinking too. Um, what if things went as planned? What if obviously the NHL was not forced to suspend the season, say things finished normally? Katie, oh. what do you think if things went as planned? I think I would picture maybe Sean Couture, them just having a good time, maybe not so much Alex Ovechkin swimming in fountains, but I would think the victory parade, uh, Jordan, would be through by now. I would think fans are, are just um, – having a great time celebrating this team on Broad Street. Like, I would picture that go. happening already at this point. I'll but, um, no. Parade. <laughs> like, a full-on parade. Like, it, like it would that. be amazing. And we would have maybe a cooler speech than we got from Travis Kelsey. I don't know if you can get any cooler than that in a mummer's costume, but who knows? I would think that maybe, you know, a member of the Flyers, who would that be? It'd probably be, like, a Kevin Hayes who would be up there and really riling up the crowd. But – Gosh, we can only dream, right? I, I hope we do see that soon, but in all seriousness, sort of, because we're still, you know, reflecting and maybe pretending what we would think. Um, before that would happen, look, like the Flyers, 89 points, they were 41, 21, and 7. This is hard for me to think, because like at that portion, at that point, we knew just how great the Flyers are doing with that win streak. Of course, the Boston Bruins falling to them, a tough team. But like, and then Tampa Bay was next, and it was just kind of like, I, I don't know about you, but in that moment, it was like, okay, it's going to be another tough task. They're in Tampa Bay, um, of course, before all the suspension stuff happened. But you kind of knew the Flyers were just going to find a way to stay at that second spot in the Metro. Like, I at least felt that. You know, the Penguins weren't too far behind. But I would think that they, they would have continued to finish strong. I would think that uh, it's really hard, you know, to think about who would we, you know, see matched up in the Eastern Conference final to me. I would think it would be the Bruins. Hopefully the games wouldn't go to however many shootouts we saw in the regular season. I think it would have been the Bruins in the Eastern Conference Final. I think, uh, you know, even this goalie tandem is hard to think about. Like, we know Lane Vigneault wanted to lean on one of them in playoffs, and that's important. You need that one solid goaltender. I would think Carter Hart would be that guy stepping up in that Eastern Conference Final, but I still, like, felt like that goalie tandem was going to come in clutch um, throughout the rest of the play or throughout the playoffs that we didn't see get to start. And uh, this is hard. I was going to say, of course, the Flyers. I, I said Flyers in seven with the Blues in the final. I, I don't like, I thought the, I just, 
I had this like feeling with the Bruin or the blues, the momentum, you know, from last season coming into this year, they still were a strong team. Um, I just felt like the blues uh, would be the one that the flyers would be seeing in the final. And again, it's so hard to like, expect this Jordan but we love to do this we we made a thing at the beginning of the season predicting where the Flyers would be so there is what I have you know you asked exactly on this June 19th date and what I started with is what I will finish with the Flyers would have been done with their whole entire victory parade fans would have we would have had just such a blast on Broad Street and it would have been it would have been cool but hopefully nobody's swimming in any fountains but anyway that's <laughs> they're crazy but with the flyers it, it would have been um it would have been cool and hopefully jordan we will see that soon but what about you it's 100 days what were you thinking you would see out of the flyers at this point it is really fun to think of katie that like some team right around this time if things went as planned and as scheduled that some team would be having some type of stanley cup parade and to think that the flyers actually could have been one of those teams man that would have been Really, really cool. Something that obviously the city has not seen for their hockey team since uh, 1975. It's also crazy to think this time last year, the Flyers were obviously not a playoff team. They weren't even close. And they really played eight goaltenders by this point, right? Exactly. They had, they had eight goalies by this point. Um, and people well, were obviously watching the Blues beat the Bruins. And the Flyers, really the whole focus was NHL draft, NHL draft. Uh, who are they going to pick? Um, so really the focus was the NHL draft and now right now it's it's an afterthought right now for Flyers fans because they're all excited about this 2014 tournament it really is crazy to think that things really could have changed over those final 13 games for the Flyers they were a point out of first place and that would have been the big thing would was could they catch the Capitals because if they caught the Capitals they would have played one of those wild card teams so they could have gotten a team like the Hurricanes the Blue Jackets the Islanders, the Rangers, maybe the Panthers. Whereas they, if they stayed in second place, they likely would have played the Penguins, who likely would have finished in third place. So it really is fun to think about, uh, but there were so many different scenarios for the Flyers. Um, I think they would have stayed in second place. I think they would have played the Penguins in third place. And I think that would have been a really, really good first-round matchup. Um, I don't know how far they would have gone. I, I think the Penguins would have been a tough matchup. Shoot high, Jordan. Come on. Let's just shoot high. I, ha- I know. I want to shoot high, but I'm, I'm saying they maybe stay in second place because they still had some tough games left. They had the Lightning, as you mentioned, Katie. Um, they still had the Penguins month- once more. Um, they still had to play the Blues. They had to play the Oilers, which we all know how tough McDavid and Dreisaitl can be. So they still had some tough games. So I say they would have they finished in second place, faced the Penguins in that first round, which would have been really, really fun. Uh, I just don't know how they would have fared. And then after that, it would have been interesting to see, you know, if they ended up getting the Capitals in that next round. Um, Yeah. Which, which Katie? I I like it. I like it. You're reserved here. And when you mention the Capitals, though, like, yes, we're not going to – we're not just going to downplay this team. Like, of course, they're powerful. Like, something that comes to mind is, well, of course, you know, Braden Holpe. I just didn't find him that impressive this season, Jordan. We know that he plays out of his mind in the playoffs. But, you know, the way that um, the Flyers were able to slow down uh, Ovechkin, Oshie, I mean, these guys, you know, you can't slow them down every night. But I just felt like, too, they were really um, taking advantage of Braden Holby. I just didn't feel like he was that impressive. Who knows what could have happened. But were you that impressed with what you saw from Holby this season? Like, I can't even – I can't underestimate what he can do in the playoffs. But I just had this feeling about him that I didn't, I didn't think they would have that – success that they did you know two years ago 
Yeah, well, the Flyers really outplayed the Capitals this season. So um, I think the biggest thing would be getting past the Penguins if that was the matchup. Um, I think the, the Capitals would have been a decent matchup for the Flyers in that next round if that's how it played out. Uh, I think another thing we also forget is that the Flyers really would have been kind of limping to the finish line. Uh, they would have been without James Van Riemsdyk for the rest of the regular season. They likely would have been out uh, without Philip Myers for the rest of the regular season. Um, they would have been out. They would have been without Nate Thompson for a good chunk of the rest of the regular season. Um, so they had some injuries too. So that's where it would have been really just cool to see. It would have been fun to let the, the Flyers kind of finish what they had going. They were on pace to have their best regular season in nine years. Um, they could have literally won the division. That that would have been cool to see. But um, they they definitely had some issues though. And Katie, it had me wanting to ask you. Do you think this whole crazy stoppage of literally 100 days and counting, did this work out in the Flyers' favor? Um, for me, I think it may have. What do you think? I think it worked out in every team's favor when you talk about okay. injuries. You just mentioned right there James Van Ramsdyk and Nate Thompson and, and, of course, Phil Myers. Like, so many teams are in that position. And with that, you know, we wanted to bring this up today. Like, I saw a photo yesterday from the Penguins, Jake Gensel back out on the ice. We see that Seth Jones is activated off IR for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, and these are going to continue to come out. Every team is going to be fully healthy after this break. We're focusing on the Flyers. That's what you asked me. I think for sure this is an advantage, and you have to look at it that way. I mean, this is just the cards we were all dealt in this um, un very unfortunate and scary uh, pandemic. And, you know, sports-wise, NHL-wise, you got to stay positive. You have a fully healthy Flyers team. You even have a healthy uh, Shane Goss for that matter, who was very questionable there, too, before this pause about is he going to be ready. Um, and then, of course, you have the Black Aces that are going to come into effect from the AHL. You have extra depth that you already had to begin with. I think it's a great thing, Jordan. What about you, too? The Flyers, another big question, like, after this, I guess I could turn it to you in maybe more of an uncertain way. A lot of fans I know are concerned right now. Are they going to be able to pick up that momentum? You just talked about their, their streak and the run they were on. Are you concerned with the, their ability to pick it up? And, you know, you could be positive, too, with this 100-game break, but is there any concern there? And it will be more than 100, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's, and counting, which is, uh, yeah, like you said, pretty nuts, Katie. Um, I think for some teams it worked out well, like the, for the Flyers. For some teams it definitely didn't, in my opinion. Like for the Bruins, I think it was – the worst possible scenario oh, yeah. for them. Um, you know, they're rolling. Uh, they're clearly the best team in the league. Uh, they would have had a much better matchup probably in the first round. Uh, they have momentum. Whereas now they can actually lose the number one seed. They can't improve their standing whatsoever. Other teams are now healthier too and kind of more on, on par with the Bruins. So for teams like the Bruins and the Lightning and for some clubs that were really kind of rolling and had momentum – all of a sudden now there's more teams they have to deal with, more potential matchups, and the playing field's a lot more even because teams are healthier. So for, for a team like the Bruins, I don't think it did help. For the Flyers, I think it really weirdly kind of did because now they're healthier. Um, yeah. They can actually become a number one seed or a number two seed, which did not really look like that was going to happen uh, if the season played out. Um, so, yeah, for the Flyers, I think it weirdly did. They're healthier and they're in a better spot. Um, I think the only thing, like you said, Katie, was that the momentum. They, they, did, they did have a lot of momentum going, and now it's a complete restart. It really is. Yeah. Um, I think they'll build chemistry quickly as they get back together, but it's so tough just to kind of pick back up and all of a sudden start playing. And I think they totally lost that whole run 
where they were well, 19, that, six and one since January 8th. They were really cooking. Uh, so that's the that's only completely, thing. And that's completely a concern for everybody, Jordan, too. I mean, you did mention yes. the Bruins. Like, this is unfortunate for them, which I love. That is such a great point. Um, the run they were on, how well they're doing, not too many injuries, I don't believe, on their end. But we knew how lethal that top line is. Like, when we talk about momentum, it's not like the Flyers are the only ones in this position. I know those fans, they want to see that – that chance in, in, you know, capturing a cup, like you mentioned, 70, since 1975, um, they want to see that happen. So I know the momentum is so much more important for Flyers Nation right now, but um, every team is going through this. It's that equal playing field and something that you did bring up, the 2014 playoff format um, for the Flyers case. And as you mentioned, the Bruins, this round robin situation, Flyers have a chance to move up. And I really liked what we heard from Sean Couturier at practice uh, the other day. The Flyers posted it. Here's just a short blip of what he had to say about round-robin play. Well, for us, uh, the round-robin uh, is, is a great uh, great thing, uh, especially, you know, we're, I think we're seated fourth. So we can only move up um, in the standings and in, in our seating. So... Uh, for us, it's, uh, it's a nice, uh, nice situation to, to be playing for. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk. Now. You gotta love it. I mean, he says we can only go up. And Jordan, that's something we mentioned. Such a great position for the Flyers that fans need to be reminded of. Like, they get to start out playing against the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Like, welcome back to the league. Like, Firepower right away. You're going at it against the Caps. So you're going at it against uh, the Lightning and the Bruins, all these top teams, um, and they can only go up. You got to love what he had to say. He notices it just as much as we do. Yeah, Kate, I think the more we've heard some players talk, like Sean Couturier, Nicholas Albe-Kubel, who we'll be uh, hearing from later in, in this episode, uh, I think a lot of them did their homework on the round robin and the whole outlook, and I think they're well aware, hey, uh, this round robin kind of turned out pretty well for us. We can climb. If we don't, uh, we have some games under our belt before we get into our next, you know, our first round series. So um, one counterpoint I have to my literally, literally to my own point. Good job, Jordan. One counterpoint I do have about this maybe not working in the Flyers' favor is that there will be no home ice advantage for anyone. And as we know, the Flyers are the one team they, they relied on their home ice more than anyone. They had the best home uh, points percentage in the NHL. So I will say if the player, if the, if the season ended – uh, as it normally did, and the Flyers actually had a home ice uh, advantage, that would have been really big for them. They were lights out at home. So was Carter Hart. So oh, I yeah. think there is, a, there is a counterpoint there that maybe it didn't work out. But uh, in this 2014 field and round robin, Katie, I think that there's a really good position for the Flyers where I think other teams can't say the same. Yeah, and you know something that um, I, I loved from Sean Couturier was it sounded like he was a little uncertain saying, I think we're number four. And you kind of just, Jordan, you talk, these guys know where they're lined up. Like, they have, they obviously know where they are. I feel like he was kind of playing with it a little bit. Maybe he honestly forgot what seed they were at the time uh, before the Strong Robin play. But my question to you is, like, as a player, as these players – how much do you think these guys are really feeding into where they line up? Like we know in the playoffs when we're approaching the end of the regular season, they're making sure they're enough and coaches emphasize it. Like they obviously know, but in this scenario, are you more focused to just play the game, play it the best way you can? Or are you thinking a lot about your opponents and where you're going to line up seating wise? No, that's a great point. I think they're, I think players deep down are more focused on like, honestly, just getting back to their home city where their team is and just kind of getting, getting pucks going deep. and getting pucks deep. Um, 
So, no, I really don't think – like, I think they're well aware. I think they know of, hey, we're the fourth seed and that we, we will be playing in a round robin uh, for when things resume. So, I think they're, they know that. But I think, no, I, I really think they're more focused on getting back to the facility, getting these workouts in, and kind of getting training camp going. I, I don't think they're too hung up on, like, oh, that team and we played them well and we could see that team. I, I really don't – I think that's stuff for us to talk about. I don't oh, yeah. think it's the focus of the players, but – uh, speaking yeah. of players back uh, at, the, at the facility, Katie, Nicholas Albe-Kubel. Uh, and he's a fun guy to talk about because um, I think if you ask somebody at the beginning of the season, would this guy be on their playoff roster? Uh, we don't quite know that he would even be on the roster, let alone in the lineup. He etched uh, his rollout when he came up in mid-December, and now he's a uh, key player, and he's back at the facility getting work in. We heard from Nicholas Albe-Kubel from an interview with Zach Hill, the Flyers Senior Director of Public Relations and Communications. Let's get into that interview and we'll see what uh, Nicholas Albuquerque had to say. Physically, and like, I, I think I've been there uh, for a while, but having like the, the defense and the offense that I used to have, like more like in towards junior, I mean, it's, it, it was harder for me to, in the AHL to, have a, to stand out, I mean. And I feel like in the NHL, it's... Uh, it's easier to like focus on on one uh, task and focus on one job and then just do simple stuff and then like look look good on the ice for that. All right, uh, moving on. The Flyers had some strong momentum before the pause. Do you think this will be easy or difficult to carry over once this uh, season starts back up? Uh, that's a good question. I I think a lot of our players are naturally gifted. Uh, that's gonna for sure be a plus for us uh, through the playoffs. Like I mean. A lot of guys are don't take like just take a few months or like a few weeks to get back in shape and get ready to be as intense as, as playoffs are. So I, I'm I'm counting on on that, and I know that their coach are going to be uh, on us. And even though it's not like a a thing where they have like a experience, but I feel like our coach are are going to be for sure uh, ready and make the team ready. Perfect. Um, what do you think about? How do I say this? About living in a bubble once the season starts, we're going to be, you know, in one hub city, and you know it's going to be pretty, pretty private. What do you think about that? Uh, throughout my career, I mean, I've I've already been on a bubble. I played uh, like seven hours from my hometown, with like a, in a small town, not even much to do. So I mean, for sure, I'm going to bring my Xbox and like my, my deck of cards to play with the with the boys, but. I mean, I'm kind of excited for that, just to get back in that hockey environment. And last question, what do you think about the round-robin tournament and the playoff format in general? That's a really good idea. So we can uh, we can see and we can, like, adjust our game because it would have been bad if I think that all the other team has uh, has games through, throughout the first round and then we, we get there, uh, like, cold or without, like, playing any games. So I... I really think it's going to be uh, emotional and it's going to be a good, uh, good rivalry. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Katie, great to see Nicholas Albe-Kubel and great to hear him uh, back, at, back at the facility getting work in. Um, Katie, we had a piece uh, It's live now on NBC Sports Philadelphia where uh, it's a series where we're grading each player and their regular season. Uh, Nicholas Albe-Kubel was our first. And uh, he got some pretty promising grades from our Flyers folks at NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. 
he had a good season. Good for him. He came up in mid-December, uh, and he never gave the Flyers a reason to send him back down to Lehigh Valley. He now has a role. Um, it's, it's, he's, a guy, he's an interesting guy to look at because right now he's with the big, t- the big club, but I think he still has more to prove, and he mentioned that he still has more to prove. What do you think the future kind of holds for him? Where do you think he's best suited in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, these end-to-ends have been so fun. You, me, Brooke Destro, Taryn Hatcher, Joe Fordyce. Um, these have been a blast. And, yes, we kicked them all off with uh, Nicholas Obey-Cubell on Monday. So I encourage everyone to go back and see what grades we gave him. Um, but I agree. I-, I think the same. Like, he didn't have exactly – I say exactly, but those last 13 games I think would have been great for him. Uh, yeah, he came up, you know, right before the holidays, and he stayed up and continued to hold his role in that, you know, depth position. But – but yeah, I think you you touched on this too, Jordan, last season. Like, he got his chances and he never really – and that's the whole thing, right, with these different leagues, ECHL, AHL, NHL. When you get that call up, like, it's a lot of pressure. You have to prove yourself, and sometimes it's not in a great amount of time. And sometimes it is, like, coming in, uh, stepping up in your role, and that injury or injured player hops back in, you go back down. I mean, that whole entire uh, maybe mental and physical toughness you need to have, and it's just part of the business. Players know that. It's part of how it goes. He had his chance. He got that second chance this year from a new coaching staff to come up here and really prove himself. And like I mentioned, right before the holidays, he hops in and in his first, um, what was it, his first five games, he gets three points and um, was a plus one. And, and kind of those things, you know, you expect some production out of these guys. And we just continue to see it. Uh, looking at his numbers to 15 points in the 36 games he played. Again, a small sample size. You would hope you could see more, but it's just the way, you know, the cards, the way the cards were dealt in this situation um, for everybody. Uh, so many different players too, right? Like going through this same scenario. But Jordan, I will say one thing that I, I don't know if you're the same with me, but you knew this guy was, you know, that tough player you would hope to see. But his physicality and his toughness was something that I really wasn't expecting. Like, I, I uh, looking to at this number, 82 hits in 36 games. Like that's part of it, right? You need that physical part in a player, especially to play in the NHL. But how many times, Jordan, were you leaning back, seeing him drop the gloves? I was like, oh, 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 look at, look at this. Like, and I, I would have to say, I mentioned this in my piece on this end to end that I don't believe that's the biggest part of the game anymore. I think, you know, it, it could maybe be an argument that it is, but for, you know, getting onto a team and getting accepted, like maybe not so much, but old, old school hockey. I know my counterpart, Chris Terrian loves to see it. Um, but I, I know even for coaches, even if it's not making a huge impact to drop the gloves, I just feel like he really, um, he, he proved his point. And I feel like even if however way that fight went, just stepping up for his teammates and just being that player that literally will work his butt off just to stay up. That's what impressed me the most with this guy. Um, but yeah, still a very small sample size, Jordan. I, I don't know about what, what do you think in this position for uh, Nicholas Obey-Cubell? Do you see him really staying up and finding his uh, solid position maybe even next season with the Flyers? I think he still has a lot more to prove. I will say that. And I think major props to Elaine Vigneault here in this situation where when Nicholas Obey-Cubell came up, sometimes coaches have a tendency when you get these call-ups um, – you put him in like a third or fourth line position and you, you kind of bury them and you only play them about eight, nine minutes because you don't really need a guy in your top six playing 15 minutes. You need them more to play a role. But Vigneault from the, from the onset with Kubel, Albe Kubel, he put him in a really good position. He even played him on the second line for a little bit. 
Albe Kubel started getting some power play time. He yeah. gave them an opportunity to actually gain confidence with minutes and with opportunity. Whereas last year, Albe Kubel played nine games and he played about five and a half minutes per game. Five and a half minutes. Like, you're, yeah. like you have zero chance to show anything in five and a half minutes per game. Well, even your, can- your confidence. Like, if I got put into a job and I got pulled out, like, I, I would think too. I mean, playing sports – you don't have your confidence really when you only have such a short amount of time. I say five minutes, but that was his average. It's just, it really is such, it makes such a difference, Jordan. No, and that's the whole point is Albe Kubel had a chance to actually build confidence. He actually had a chance. He actually had an opportunity. He even said it to us uh, when we when before the stoppage that he, last year, he said, I don't think I had a chance. I don't really think I had an opportunity. Whereas this year, I'm grateful the coaches gave me an opportunity. And then what did it do? It motivated him. All of a sudden, he's playing harder every single game because he knows he's getting some more opportunity. I think Vigneault did a really good job of giving him a taste of opportunity, but also keeping him motivated. So that's what happened. And I think you saw a player, like you said, Kitty, that brought incredible physicality, incredible effort. He was playing a north-south style that even when he wasn't scoring, he was being impactful. Um, So I think that was monstrous for him. And I think the key will be keeping him motivated, thinking that he hasn't really arrived yet and having him continue to work for his role. So I think that's what Elaine Vigneault will do. I think that's what the staff kind of strategically did with him, was to keep him motivated, keep him wanting more, and I think that's what they're going to do with him. So I don't think he's arrived, but uh, I think he really made his mark. Were you impressed to see him drop the gloves as much as I was? I was, Katie. That was a fun game. I think that was uh, when he had the Gordie Howe hat trick, right, against the Capitals? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I believe he had two, right? He had, like, a, at had least a couple, a couple different You're situations right. this season. And, you know, even Joel Farabee, for that matter, too. I, yeah. I personally, just that old school hockey, like, keep everyone safe, but you do love to see it. As the kids would say, you love to see it. You love to see um, it. But, yeah, I mean, just in conclusion of this episode, too, as you mentioned, Elaine Vigneault, we, we talk about, we pump this guy's tires so much on this, on this podcast, but it's so true. Like we could talk about his, his records and what he was able to do to turn around the numbers wise for the Flyers, but these different situations and Nicholas Obey Cubell being a perfect example are things that I wouldn't say show up at, like clearly on a stat sheet. Like you kind of tend to forget, like the reason why this player is able to play the way he is in such a short amount of time, um, such a small sample size of this season um, and still has growth to do. But the reason why is, you know, a big portion of that is what you mentioned, the coaching staff and Elaine Vino giving him that shot. Yeah, Katie, for fans that are looking for more hope, uh, in phase two with these voluntary workouts, more and more players are starting to get there. I know yeah. Brent Flair told me, the Flyers assistant general manager told me that there's about eight to nine guys right now at the facility, and they expect that number to climb next week and beyond. And uh, I think before you know it, it will be July 10th, and uh, that, could, that will be the start of training camp for the Flyers where the whole team will be there and we'll be talking more and more uh, hockey and the return to play. Uh, so yeah. I think a lot of positive signs uh, and great to see, you know, these handful of players at the facility. And Katie, next time, next week, I'm hoping we uh, are talking about more faces back at the Flyers skate center in Voorhees, New Jersey. But for now, yeah, Katie Emmer, thank you as always. Fun thank chat you and really – Really quick, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there listening. Uh, Happy Father's Day weekend. Um, I hope you guys are celebrated and feel extra loved. But I had to say it before we got off. Katie, I love that. Seriously, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. 
uh, and especially for the fathers uh, of, that are Flyers fans, we hope uh, oh, yeah. you're getting more and more uh, hockey talk coming your way uh, on your big day. So, Katie Emmer, thanks again as always. Ben Barry, our podcast producer, thank you. And for Flyers fans, wherever you get your Flyers Talk podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.